Welcome to Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week we're discussing Rogue One, the 2016 Star Wars prequel or sequel movie that filled in some story gaps in the Star Wars movie universe. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. I did briefly look up the production information, but none of the names popped to me, so I don't know much about it. I know like most of the newly made Star Wars films, there are some uh, strong reactions on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah, um, I really like this one. It might actually be one of my favorites, mm -hmm. but I am very much aware that I am in the minority of Star Wars fans. Right, okay. Have you seen any of these actors in anything? I mean, Forrest Whitaker aside, I assume you've seen something <laughs> with Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, I've seen something with Forrest Whitaker. Uh, I've seen some things with Donnie Yen, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, Jimmy Smits. Uh, those are people I'm familiar with. Um, aside from that, none of the names really are popping for me. Okay. So, uh, like, I just found out Alan Tudyk did the voice of the yep. uh, K2 robot. And, of course, I'm familiar with him. But, yeah, none of the other ones I'm really familiar with at all. How about you? Anyone there that is a uh, standout that you wanted to highlight? Um, Not particularly. Okay. And same, like, with the, the director and the, the writing credits. Yeah. I feel like Felicity Jones is one of those people that, like, I recognize her name and I've seen her around, but nothing really stands out for me. Right. S same with Donnie Yen. I feel like he's somebody who I recognize, but I can't ever really... What am I trying to say? You know, like, when I look at him, I'm like, I've seen him, but nothing really jumps out as to what I've seen him in. Right. Right. I'm sure I have seen him in uh, some martial arts movies. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying. Oh, yeah, he was in Hero. So that would be the main one that I know him from. Okay. And I I really enjoyed him and his friend, Warrior, whose name I cannot remember. Um, I, I did really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting how they brought in the trope of, like, the mystic blind martial artist who has amazingly awesome martial arts skills. And they basically brought it in with him using the force mm -hmm. to, to be that way. So that was kind of interesting. Did you want to do announcements? Sure. There's a few little tidbits of news. Um... Just this morning, I saw that a trailer for the short trek, The Brightest Star, is out. That is the one that will be airing next, I believe, on December the 6th. And it features Saru. And it's a very short little trailer. I will try and post a link to it. And it looks really good, actually. Okay, I'm excited. Yeah. It has this sort of, like, I don't know if this is going to be indicative of the rest of the episode, but there's sort of, like, a metal soundtrack to part of it that was, okay, yeah, I thought it was cool. So. That's what I think of when I think about Saru. Metal. Totally. I know. I like it. Yeah. 
So and and a lot of the shots and everything just look gorgeous. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Good. Me too. And then apparently there's another season two trailer that aired on CBS All Access, which I have not yet had a chance to see. And uh, but some people are excited about it online, of course. Mm-hmm. And then I also was reading. There was a couple articles about it because apparently, way back um, in the summer of 2017, Nicholas Meyer revealed that he was working on a Star Trek project that was not Discovery, and that it was a three-episode limited series. But it, then it was put on hold, and then it was apparently linked to a series about Khan Noonien Singh, possibly under. Um, production, and mm-hmm. then now he was saying that it was supposed to be like a three-hour or three-night miniseries event called SETI Alpha 5, but he's not sure of the current status. So that would be a series about, for those who don't know... Um, Me. The, yeah. So uh, Khan Noonien Singh, you are familiar with Khan in Star Trek, sure. Yeah, he's one. Of, he's one of the bad guys. Yeah, I, I, I am familiar. Yes. Okay. Um, but they get marooned on a planet called SETI Alpha Five. Oh, okay. So it would presumably be filling in some of their time there. Oh. However, we don't know if that's one of the ones that's currently in the slate for what CBS is going to be working on because I don't think Meyer is, um like actively working on the project now right so yeah so not we're not sure. sure not sure it could be happening might not be interesting yeah i would find it interesting well i wouldn't find it interesting because they do a lot of callbacks to the original series era i mean discovery is set pre-original series right uh from some of the sounds of what they've described for the animated show it's going to be set again sort of in that era as well mm-hmm and actually related to the topic of Rogue One, this would sort of be filling in a tidbit of the timeline, which is not crucial, but kind of interesting. Right. So I can see why they would be possibly doing that, because it's right now the thing to do. Gotcha. So, yeah. I guess if they do it good, it could be good. Obviously, that was really inane. Yeah. But you know what I mean. I think the biggest key to it would be casting. Yeah. Because Ricardo Montalban was iconic. And filling his shoes is not going to be easy. I don't think uh, What's His Who's It's in the reboot movies did a good job. Right. And so, like, if he's going to have Khan in it and not just be about other people on the planet, I think you'd have to really get that casting yeah. And would he be, like, the protagonist? Would we be watching him? Like, was he always a bad guy? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so SETI Alpha 5 is, like, where he goes after his encounter with Star Trek in the original series. Oh. And before his encounter in the movies. Okay, <laughs> so, I was picturing it differently. Okay. Yeah, no. No. So, it would be interesting to fill in backstory. He mentions a couple things in Star Trek Two mm-hmm. that happened on the planet, so it would be interesting to see if they made the story choices to affirm what he says as actual truth, 
or right. if they establish him as a bit of an unreliable narrator there, or they, they could go either way. It could be interesting either way. Gotcha. Well, let's get into it. Did you like Rogue One at all? I Even a little bit? I guess it's, no. <laughs> it's on par with Star Wars movies. So that's a no. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> what I mean, did you dislike about it? It just didn't feel like the Donnie Yen martial artist tropes or stereotype, depending on your point of view, was original. There was a couple of other things where it was like, huh, that's interesting that they fleshed that out and added that kind of depth to it. But it just feels like the same tired Star Wars movie. Okay. So I've seen it a lot. Gotcha. It doesn't, and it doesn't capture my spirit. Um, I don't get wrapped up in the the fight of the rebels, and I, it just feels, and if if you're not caught up in that epicness, then it falls kind of flat. I mean, sure, there were entertaining bits. Mm-hmm. Um, like it basically jumps from like fight scene to chase scene to breakout scene to. You know, so it's it's got a good action-packed uh, story that keeps mm-hmm. you sort of going from action to action to action to action uh, with a brief little uh, meeting where everybody's yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really feel like there was too much character depth. I didn't really feel like it was anything different from any of the normal Star Wars themes and storylines and things like that. Gotcha. Yeah. See, I always enjoy a story that's about a team of people coming together who've all kind of lost hope, but through their through discovering a common purpose, they regain it. Yeah, but even that I felt was kind of shitty um, when the one of the pilot guys can't remember the names, but uh, they're basically deciding to join her as like they said like no 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 we're not going to do your plan we can't mount an attack to get the plans for the Death Star mm-hmm. so we're not going to do it it's too risky and then they kind of go and talk to her about it and they basically say like we've done a lot of really crappy things in the name of the greater good for this rebellion and now we're going to go do this good thing and that's going to make all the crappy things we did okay right and I'm like no no <laughs> I mean, that's not how I not, interpreted that conversation, but okay. That's kind of one of the things I took away from it. And I was like, no, you don't get a pass on going to, like, all these bad decisions you made. Yes, their sacrifice was, I guess, heroic, but it also is just sort of, like, it sort of seemed to me like the Rebellion's been making all these bad choices. And, yeah, I don't know. I The specific conversation that you're talking about... I more interpreted as like we've done all these shitty things for the rebellion, and now the rebellion is just disbanding, and we're not going to let that happen because otherwise we did these shitty things for nothing. Okay. Not trying to make themselves feel or be better. Okay. But just not letting the cause die. Hmm. And I would also say that people on all sides do shitty things in all wars. So. Oh yeah, yeah, but also like a lot of people who do shitty things when it works out okay they get to write history that their choices were the right ones yeah 
So, um, yeah, okay, I see your point. Not to, like... Not, not gonna let the rebellion die. Yeah. Because the rebellion was basically like, well, I guess we're gonna give up now. Well, we have to run and hide and scatter yeah. our forces. Yeah. But I sort of took that to be, like, so we can live to fight another day. Or we gotta do this some other way. Yeah, I guess, but... Also, I have to say, it felt like there was just, like, a lot of, um... Like, it was a random group of people that got together, and they weren't necessarily skilled outside of being the main people in the story. Sure, sure. I mean... Which um, is part of my... that Part of what doesn't grab my attention with Star Wars is it's like, um, disobeying orders to be recklessly hero- heroic. <laughs> or, you know, just lots of gun battles and running out of a place in time Mm -hmm. which i mean is exciting and fun but that's there's no like particular skill to that it's just saying that regular everyday people can't be heroic no i'm not but there's a lot of regular everyday sorts of things you can do to help a plot along and Star Wars is not about showing any of those things. True. There there were some parts that I did enjoy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I did think it was kind of refreshing that this was basically an espionage sort of mission. Yeah. And they did sort of sneak in there and um, have their diversion and things like that to get the... The plans for the Death Star out. Mm-hmm. Thought that was cool. Um, I thought it did a good job in showing how uh, ordinarily good people can be faced with like a no-win situation and end up helping a cause that they really don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that that was, you know, giving a little more depth to the everyday people who are in caught up in the. Empire versus Rebellion sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. And then, yeah, they just die in the end. Yeah, when I was watching this in theaters, I remember when they were flying towards the planet. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, man, I hope they just all go out with this. And then they did, and I was like, yes, that is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was better than some, like, ridiculously heroic, like... I happen to be flying just in the right spot to swoop down and save you kind of rescue. Yeah, and also, otherwise it wouldn't have made any sense for them to not have ever come up in the later films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I was waiting for a, a more overt Bothan joke. If there was one, I didn't catch no, it. No, no, no. That line is from the third movie. Yes, when they were talking about... Completely different people. Were they? Yes. Okay. Everybody brings that up about this, and I'm like, no, it's about a completely different Death Star, completely different plan stealing, completely (laughs) different situation. Wait. Sorry. Wait, there's- this happened multiple times to the Empire, where they built a Death Star, and plans were stolen. Yes, there have been two Death Stars. Well, I guess if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're... Now, to be fair, I don't think the plans were stolen with the second one. It was more that the knowledge of its existence, because it was still being built. Oh, okay. So it was... Which Death Star did they build in this one? This is the one that's in 
the very first Star Wars movie, that, A New Hope. Okay. okay. In Return of the Jedi, there is a second sort of in-process Death Star. Oh, okay. And that's the one where she says many Bothans died to bring us these. Yes. Okay. All right. That does help. But you can see my confusion when you have multiple Death Stars having plans stolen multiple times in the same movie franchise. Sure. And Star Trek is so very original. No, that is true. Nothing um, happens twice. They do recycle they do recycle their plots. I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just saying you can say it less judgy. So I really liked Jin in this. I think she's great. Yeah. Uh, mm? Okay, so maybe you can explain this to me. Okay. In the beginning, wasn't she sort of set up as like being a rebel terrorist? And then she's kind of like, no, no, I want nothing to do with the rebellion. I think she was more just somebody who didn't like the Empire, but wasn't really interested in being in a organized rebellion situation either. Okay. But okay. she was okay just sort of doing her own thing. Like, she was raised by Saw Gerrera, who... Right. Also was just sort of interested in doing his own thing however he wanted it. Right. Well, he and was not, an ex hmm? He was like an extreme terrorist. Yeah. Um and I guess the rebellion was too well, was not extreme enough for him. Yes. Too okay. many rules or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Did you enjoy the two completely CG people? The two completely CG people. Yes. Uh like at but the end you mean, yeah. or... Yeah, was... so there was Princess Leia. She was completely yeah. CG. And, yeah. oh, God, what's his name? <sighs> Shit, I'm not going to remember his name. The Admiral dude who, like, takes over the Death Star from the dude in white. <gasps> oh! Yeah, he's completely CG, because he's a character from A New Hope. Uh, right, okay. I didn't quite catch that he was CG, but I definitely caught that Leia was CG. Yeah. I was See, like, oh, oh, that's not going to... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. It never. It doesn't bother me, but I know some people who were very put off by it. Well, at one point, it almost seemed like the the aspect ratio of her was out of sync with the scene around it, and it just really threw it out to me that it was like, this is digital effects. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I, I don't mind that they did it, or that they chose to do it, but maybe they could have done it a little better. It didn't look seamless, but it's going to age as, as effects move on. Like, that's part of the problem with any of the digital yeah. effects, right? And I can see where it's probably harder to do, like, an actual person than on a completely original character. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, they didn't really bother me, though, because I liked that they were there the, the mm -hmm. characters mm -hmm. and that was the only way they could do it so mm -hmm. i like that it really linked it to where it is in the timeline because mm -hmm. uh, many of the star wars films run together for me right so that was helpful i felt like darth vader talked too much or his dialogue was off for some reason i don't know yeah, I don't know either, because it was definitely What's-His-Face, so it's not like... Oh, no, 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 not the voice. The oh, actual like written the actual lines mm. sounded like not... Like, he sounded too wordy 
for Darth Vader. Yeah, this is true. He was his most, like, Darth Vader-y at the end there where he was just killing people. Yeah. Which is, like, one of my favorite scenes ever. I will sometimes just watch that. (sighs) Where he's just, like, mowing through them. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And, yeah, I enjoyed that part. And then the revert, like, the hidden sort of force chokehold was kind of cool. And the the pun. The punning Darth Vader is always good. Okay. I forget the pun. When he was all like, don't choke on your aspirations. Or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. See, and also, I'm like 90% certain that the planet he set up his home base on is also the planet where he had his, like, big duel with Obi-Wan Kenobi and where he almost died. Oh, so- yeah, I assumed that, too. I was like, oh, you set up your base on the f- pit of lava where the thing happened? I was like, hmm. And, like, he set up his door so that fog comes out when he opens it. And, like, he's just a very extra person and i like it oh it kind of fits with his pre-darth vader personality too yes so i like that yeah and i i liked that and the campiness of it for me was enjoyable yeah um but did it fit with the rest of the movie i mean i guess there was a few campy elements to some of it but it seemed to be wanting to be really serious at times and yeah. Hmm. That didn't bother me either, really. I find a lot of sci-fis like that. That it kind of goes back and forth on yeah. its tone. And, hmm. I also, I don't know, I, re- I just really like everything about this movie. Like, I can understand why a lot of people don't like it, I suppose, but okay. I love everything. Okay. I love that it's it's a very tight story. Like you were saying, there isn't really any downtime. It just goes, goes, goes. It does, though you only get the uh, whole um, title line way into the movie. Yeah, after the opening sequence on the planet. Yeah. But that's fine. But when it was being advertised, I was a little upset Mm -hmm. that it was called Rogue One. Mm -hmm. Because the Rogue Squadron, Squadron has its own, like, whole story. Right. But... I am okay with the idea of that squadron kind of just honoring these people. Okay. So that's how I think of it now. I don't know if that's, like, accurate, but that's how I think of it. Is the Rogue Squadron a feature in the other films? Yes. So Okay. The sort of origin of it takes place in between the first and the second film. And it's it's sort of set up by Luke. Right. Um... And that he's, like, the leader of the Rogue Squadron in Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Okay. See, the the call signs all were familiar to me. Mm-hmm. But it's probably because of the uh, the video games. Right. Because uh, they do the space shooting race games really well. Yeah. The Rogue Squadron video games, I think, was what it was. And while I did not play it much i watched it being played Mm -hmm. which is a testament to how good it was because usually those types of games do not hold my attention (laughs) at all (laughs) yeah they had a lot of callbacks to video games and other like books and movies and stuff in this one Mm, okay i don't know them all off the top of my head but they had them Mm -hmm. i'm trying to remember in the movie if there was anything that felt like it was something that i like that the fans would know like an, e- like an Easter egg? Um, a lot of the, but, like, 
A lot of them are just very obvious. Or blink and you'll miss it. Okay. Uh, like, I think there was a... I think maybe you saw a droid from the animated Rebels show. Mm. Um, and, like, I think Biggs was in the last fight, but again in a blink and you'll miss it situation. Right. So, I am... Gotcha. Yeah. And lots of stuff like that. Mm, okay. Or it was like, hey, we made a digital Princess Leia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and put her in this super bright room. Yeah. Nothing in between. No. Um, the musical score was really good, too. Yeah, and I I don't know off the top of my head if it was John Williams. Uh, it was not. It was Michael... <sighs> some Italian last name that I'm going to butcher. Giacchino. Okay. And plus... Uh, you know, a couple of the themes, mostly the Imperial March. Yeah. Which I wonder if, like, does John Williams get paid when they use that? Or did people lock that down? I mm. wonder. Hard to say, because it wouldn't have been Disney at the time who you'd think would lock it down. But Star Wars did invent merchandising. Yes, yes, they did. So, hard to say. Which I like. I liked that it was a different score, and it didn't like sound like every single John Williams score ever, but it still sounded like Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Star Wars has always done a very good job with a cinematic soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Their themes are memorable. Uh, they definitely carry the emotional weight of that uplifting, hopeful feeling a lot yeah. of times. They keep you you know, caught up in the adrenaline rush of the different things and help convey the sense of dread for the villains. So, yeah. So, I've never really been able to pin this down. Why do mm -hmm. you think Star Wars fans don't like this movie? Why do I think Star Wars fans don't like this movie? Yeah. Um, well... Because you said it felt like every other Star Wars movie. Yeah, I think maybe partly because... It's not telling one of the main story points, and it's centered around a woman, and they would rather have their, you know, next movie in the series that focuses on a man. That's part of the main story. I guess. Like, I'm sure that's part of it, that it was a little bit focusing on I a woman and then very much anti-establishment. Yeah, and I mean, also, like, uh, I had to stop following some of the Star Wars super fans I know, just because they would not, like, every time something about Star Wars came out, they were, like, uh, complaining that it, you know, was focusing on the side characters, or how about we get a movie for this? Like, it was just nothing that ever came out was right. Right. Um, But yeah, it's like how I feel about some of the Star Trek's choices, like... A lot of Star Trek fans would like things set further into the future of the universe. Mm -hmm. Rogue One takes us back to a like a prequel sort of moment. Mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know. I've never understood. I have friends who are big fans of Star Wars, and they're not big fans of this movie either. And they're just kind of like, eh, it wasn't what I wanted. And I'm like, well... Well, what did they want? Did I don't you know. And, like, I was so excited when everybody died at the end, and... I mean... I don't know if one it's... Of, I don't... One of the key things that this one does differently is it's not a 
like, it's not a battle between the two opposing sides of the force. Like, Jin is just a woman. You don't really get the sense that she's triumphant because she's mastered the force. She doesn't really face off against a force-wielding master. See, that's There's... interesting. That That's a good, accurate point. But mm-hmm. I actually think this movie has more of the force in it than most of the other Star Wars movies. Because it took it and made it not just Jedi and Sith, but like like world building. Like, what are the people who aren't Jedi and Sith? What is their relationship with the Force? Right. So, do you think that the people... Because was, that was part of the whole thing. I'm one with the Force, uh, blah, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that they were accessing the Force? Or do you think that was the equivalent of saying your, you know, prayer as you do something? See, it's hard to say, because in, within the world, like, sure, the, um, uh, the believing in the Force is like a religion, mm-hmm. or whatever, but also, like, it's proven that it's a real thing. Right. Right? It's not just having faith in something. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say. Yeah. I, I like to think it was real, like it was mm-hmm. the force was there with them, mm-hmm. because especially with um, Donnie Yen's character, yeah, you, you know who I mean, mm-hmm. um, because he was one of the uh, dudes at the Kyber mm-hmm. Crystal Temple, mm-hmm. um, but like with the whole, I felt like almost all of them lived just as long as they needed to. Right. You know, and that felt very much like something was helping them along. And I, I like that idea in a in a fictional story. I don't necessarily right. like it in real life, but in a fictional story, it's, it's good. Right. Uh, do you think fans might not like it because, like, some of the people who seem to be accessing the Force in this aren't Jedi Knights Maybe. or assassins? Like, they're just regular people. They're not epic enough maybe but like i was just looking back through our twitter and Mm -hmm. even alan said that this is his least favorite star wars movie but he didn't give a reason why so Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure where to go with that yeah i mean he did say some of his favorite characters yeah all the characters are great like Jin is great i i love cassian i think he has a lot of depth and um diego luna yeah diego luna is a very good actor Mm mm-hmm and yeah, the performances I thought were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And K2 is fabulous, obviously. Yep. Were you going to disagree? No, no, I I wasn't. It's just that was one of the first... Th- like, So <laughs> I tweeted on our thing that I was not going to tweet about it because I was going to make people mad at me. Right. Because my first thought is like, oh, look, Imperial forces coming down on the everyman farmer. We haven't seen that in a movie before. Right. And then, oh, hey, a sarcastic droid. There's an original thing in Star Wars. I was just like, yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, I shouldn't say those things. And now I said them on the podcast so everybody can <laughs> can at me. And, uh, and yeah. It's fine. You can point out all the places where Star Trek has been unoriginal. Or, you know bad (laughs) that you forced me to watch it's fine though it's fine okay deep space nine whatever (laughs) god damn okay (laughs) but yeah the the acting and was 
fine. Yeah. I just liked everything about this, and I get upset when so many fellow Star Wars fans, not you, just, right. like, generally hate it. I'm like, but it's so good. Now, it's it's hard to move the conversation beyond that unless you can, like, somewhat explain why you liked it or why you hate it. Well, I like it because good performances, good characters, a team coming together for a mission, even after they've all kind of had everything taken away from them or, you know, been forced to basically betray who they are, but they mm -hmm. still come together to form, to get this one thing done that does eventually lead to this saving of a lot of people. And I like that a lot. And I like, mm -hmm. I really like how it showed um, depth in some of the imperialist people, mm -hmm. you know, both with Galen and with Bodhi. Mm -hmm. And that there were, you know, people trapped on that side, just trying their best. Mm -hmm. And I, I love a good, you know, the whole team goes out with the plan story. Yeah, and I liked that too. Um, like, particularly the end part where they had to, like, coordinate several things happening. They had to physically get the plans. They had to transmit them to the satellite. The guy had to link it at yeah. the thing to get the message out so that the other forces knew what to do. Like, that was, like, good. It's just that was way at the end. And I've it felt like a bit of a slog at the beginning to get through to that better stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think if there was stuff that you, that could be taken out. Uh, like, did we get too much backstory about Jin and and too much exposition on things? Or, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would change about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't personally feel that way. Hmm. I felt like it went, uh, went along pretty good. I mean, if anything, we could have used less, like, 10-second planet shots. Like, why? <laughs> we get it. We're going to a different planet. We're, we're there. Okay, you don't need to just show it to us for like a minute i don't know that just like space establishing shots no matter how pretty they are bother right. me because i'm like i get it just just go oh it was nice that we saw a different planet type i this is the first time i recall seeing a jungle planet in star wars this is true i like to think that the um the like troopers or whatever mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. that planet who's a uh, scarif um that this is, like, the easy assignment. You know, it's just a data-holding place. You go, right. you go to the beach on the weekends. <laughs> it's fine. It's it's a plum job, right? Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah. Nobody... You know, no rebels or anybody wants to attack, like, a library, basically. <laughs> and then this one day, they're like, oh, Although shit. Why wouldn't the rebels want to attack the base where all their strategic plans for their infrastructure is held? This is true. But then again, the whole <laughs> planet did have a shield, so that does make it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Again, it's lots of, like, heroism and shooting battles and big critical stuff. And I guess this one was refreshing because it showed, like, a slightly smaller scale of things. Yeah, I like that too, that it was this whole big thing, but it really came down to, could they get the plans out? Mm-hmm. And that's... And I mean, just, really, when you look at real, like, rebellions and resistance movements, mm -hmm. it's a lot more of a collection of uh, those um, 
lots of tiny things like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I liked seeing that side of the rebellion too, like the people doing mm-hmm. the small things and having it make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, personally, do not have a single bad thing to say. So you're not going to get criticisms from me. <laughs> That's okay. I think I've been critical enough for the both of us. I think you've been kind of light on it, other than just flat out saying, no, it's just like Star Wars. It's fine. I'm done. But other than that, like, you haven't really brought anything in particular up. It was... I I was trying to come up with something, but aside from it being, like, feeling like more Star Wars, slightly different takes on certain things, it just... It is what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's not that on its own... I dislike Star Wars. It's that there is such a big hype and movement about Star Wars being this epic, awesome, like super fan sort of thing that I find it often just fails to live up to that hype. Or it's just I prefer Star Trek's take versus Star Wars' take. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I like actively dislike this because it's star wars are fun movies they're heroic adventure romps and great there there's time and space for that um but it's not the thing that i am going to you know go back to all the time it's not something i'm gonna spend a lot of great deal of thought about um and if other people want to that's fine that if that's your jam great but it just doesn't capture my Uh, spirit or anything like that right but was there anything in particular about this movie in and of itself that you disliked uh just the stuff that i already kind of i guess you said yeah the beginning was a bit of a slog beginning was a bit of a slog it felt uh somewhat like uh, they're trying to capture the star wars spirit so if it's your jam it's like oh cool look it's like this and it's you know, call back to this, and if it's not your jam, it's like, oh, they're doing this again, okay. <laughs> it still doesn't interest me. Hmm. It didn't interest me the last time. Um, some of the lines were kind of funny. I I dislike that it's, in general, just like an action movie kind of idea. It doesn't feel really sci-fi to me. Yeah, but um, no Star this, Wars movie does. No, no. And, and... I like when people are coming together through their skills and wits as opposed to just um, shooting things real good. Gotcha. So, yeah. Like, in this one, it was a team effort, but it also was, like, a lot of action and not getting shot. And there are other ways to have tense moments and things happening, but that's not Star Wars, so... Right. Yeah, and I'm even, like, I'm trying to think of of the character of Jin, And, I mean, it's sh- definitely a tragedy. I mean, her mother's murdered, and then by the time she realizes her father isn't the sort of turncoat that she had believed him to be, mm-hmm. it's too late, he dies when she was right there, and then, you know, she ends up having to sacrifice herself. So it's a good, tragic hero story but yeah i didn't hate it well i mostly chose it 
for us to watch because it was the only thing I could think of last time. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. And um, this this meme's been going around Twitter. Mm. Where it's the table full of books, and it's the books you pretend you've read. Right. And I was like, I honestly, like, I don't pretend I've read books. I am quite happy if, you know, I don't care if it makes me seem dumb that I haven't read War and Peace. I'm not going to pretend I've read it. And sometimes I'll read a book because I want to be able to talk about it or comment on it. And sometimes I'll watch movies because I want to be able to address them or talk about them or comment on them. So... If I'm going to defend Star Wars versus Star Trek, I do actually have to watch all the Star Wars. Gotcha. So, you helped me check this off the list. <laughs> well, then you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on? Sure. Uh, should we announce what is up next on A Command of Her Own? Yes. We have bravely decided to skip Terminator 1. And we are discussing Terminator 2 with Mandy next week from Pop Culturally Deprived. Yes. So I am fine skipping Terminator 1 since she is more of a damsel. Mm. And not more like a hero of the story. Gotcha. And when people talk about Linda Hamilton being in the Terminator franchise, I'm pretty sure most people reference Terminator 2. I do genuinely think the first one is a better movie and aged better. Mm. But okay. the second one is enjoyable and you'll get to see me lose my shit at the time travel because it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. The whole Terminator franchise is about time travel. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. And we will and- complete... The circle. Yes. The guest hosting circle. Yes. Which was a goal. And we're going to take a brief hiatus after that over the Christmas holiday, Christmas New Year holiday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we come back, we will have an episode about the second two short treks that will have aired by then. Mm-hmm. And then season two of Discovery will start after that. Yay. I'm very excited. And then we will presumably be back to weekly. Yeah. I presume the same. Yay. We sound so excited about that. Well, I'm excited to watch more Discovery. Yes. Do you have any recommendations this week, Kate? Yes. What's your recommendation? I recommend brunch. (laughs) Yep. I I had some really good brunch yesterday. Yeah, I think you shared a picture of it, and it looked really good. Going to strange, not strange, different brunch places. Do you have anything else to recommend this week? Cake. <laughs> I had good cake this weekend. <gasps> I had a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had mostly pie. You mostly pie. Did you try yeah. any of the cake? I did, yes. <laughs> Do you remember what? <laughs> the really messy one in the kitchen? Ah, the pecan chocolate one, yeah. Yes, yeah. Which is a big deal for me, because normally I do not have cake that has nuts in it. So Did you like it? It was tasty. Yeah. I don't think I got any of the lemon cake, and I'm very upset. Lemon cake was delicious. <sighs> as was the key lime pie. I got the lemon pie, but there was also a oh. lemon cake. 
No, I missed the lemon cake as well. Okay. Oh. I was surprisingly full from what I ate. Yeah. I guess that's the big recommendation. Have a lot of people over and have a lot of cake. <laughs> what is your recommendation? My recommendation is an Earl Grey eggnog latte. You put uh, snot in your lattes, huh? What? Eggnog yeah. is disgusting. Uh, yeah. I hate it. Okay. <laughs> so, Kate, you can skip this one. <laughs> if you like both Earl Grey tea and eggnog, then I recommend combining them into an eggnog latte. It's quite tasty. Do you make your own? Yep. And by latte, I just mean I pour eggnog in my tea. I'm, like, ultra low. You don't even heat I'm just it up making it anything? I'm just, no, I'm just making it sound fancy, calling it a latte. It's not actually a latte. Gotcha. But I know that you could make it a latte. Yeah, uh, that's what my friends do at Starbucks this time of year. They get eggnog instead of milk. Yeah, yeah. It's delicious. If you enjoy eggnog, and I completely understand not enjoying eggnog, so I've only started liking eggnog in like the last five years, maybe. I used to like it when I was a kid. Yeah, I find it is one of those things that people change on. Yeah. So... I have one bonus recommendation. Okay. Because there is a recently released Star Wars podcast on the Chipperish Network called Metaphors Be With You. Yes. I, it's, a, it's a bit of a guarded recommendation because I, I have not listened to it. But if you are now listening to me not be excited about Star Wars and you want to listen to someone who is excited about Star Wars talk about Star Wars stuff you might find that that's the podcast for you. So there you go. Bonus recommendation. Okay. Now, thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share with us, you can contact us at own at gmail.com or you can add us on Twitter at own, And we're also on Instagram. Instagram.com slash own. And we will see you next time for Terminator 2. Yes. Bye. Bye.